it is like writing poems hmm. because every person is a story every person is literally bringing that different layer so when you open your heart to mm-hmm. learn from the poetry that you're reading that the person is then you won't think you got to fix the situation then you would absorb then you would let it be then you would grow with it and it would grow with you very beautiful very um uh, poetically said <laughs> <laughs> there thank you so much for joining me one more time on the absolutely right podcast what makes a high performer this phenomenal why do they not give up why do they stand and fight back what are those amazing traits that they possess these are the questions that we try to answer every single week through our phenomenal conversations with these fantastic people our guest on the show today natasha malpani oswal is a phenomenal storyteller a podcaster a poet and founder of a media company called boundless media she has been running multiple passionate projects to tell the authentic stories that can create a difference her company boundless media produced season 3 of netflix original little things and one of the interesting things about natasha is she has completed three master programs one of them is from stanford and you can imagine she wanted to learn and grow and constantly question her own limitations and she decided to take charge and claim the full potential of her personality at age 14 i still can't get over it i don't even know what i was doing at 14 probably learning graphology or something like that So coming to the point I cannot wait to get this conversation started make sure that you have your handwriting sample we're going to talk about multiple traits in her handwriting and while I do that you will learn some phenomenal facts and interesting insights about your own personality so keep your handwriting ready so that we can get started in no time let me invite Natasha my way I'll do it my way fall and get up again don't help me look for an easier path Let me learn to pick myself up. These cuts are a sign of strength. Hi Natasha, welcome to Absolutely Right. I was wondering, you know, you have always been into so many things. What's new? What's what are the new projects that you're working on currently? <laughs> We have uh, a couple of projects that I'm super excited about okay. uh, at Boundless, which is my production house. So, we're currently working on a couple of shows uh, that I cannot wait to get out there. <laughs> I'm actually also now uh, working on my third poetry book. Wow. So, you know, that that's always an ongoing thing, you know. It's always at the back of my mind. Um and then just, you know, just adjusting I think to post lockdown life because I feel like we got into such a groove, you know, <laughs> in the last one and a half years that it actually is, you know, just the same way you have to adjust to lockdown. I feel like not enough people are talking about it. You do actually have to adjust to post lockdown, right? um in in terms of everything i mean obviously i'm thinking a lot about my team and hiring and culture and you know what it means one to convince people to yeah, come back come to back office, of course right um but then also just what it means in terms of rebuilding that um you know bonding and informality because you know there's only so much Yeah. you can do on zoom right so before the lockdown you know many years ago we used to say work from home could be a good idea now everybody has tasted it and we know it's yeah. a good idea in yeah. many many ways so going back yeah. is tough yeah no and you know i run a creative business right so i do think you know when you're in a creative space it is really important to be with people to create that room for just 
informality, chatter, fun, because you just, you don't know when your next idea is going to come from, or, um, you know, you don't know actually, um, even in terms of just like where the next dialogue is going to pop into your (laughs) head or like, you know, who the next character you meet is going to be that's going to inspire you. So I'm, I mean, I personally, I'm a huge believer in working from work, (laughs) which might be an unpopular opinion, Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, very firmly of the view that at least in a creative field, it's important to have at least some face-to-face. I'm a great believer of people watching. So the Mm. only thing I missed during the pandemic was not staring, not staring, (laughs) kind of observing strangers and and looking at their body language and understand them without talking to them. So I think I I, I hear you. Yeah. Do you think this process of engaging with other people is essential for your poetry writing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I think I don't know, you know, where my inspiration is going to come from next. Right. And I'm a very extroverted person. So I get my energy from people I get my ideas from people and sometimes I also sort of get a sense of um, where I matter what I'm thinking through conversation like sometimes I genuinely have so many thoughts in my head that I don't even know what I'm thinking until I say it Uh you know so yeah yeah for me it's like super important to not just be around people but like you're saying you know also observe them because I'm always sort of learning and like you know trying to pick up the best from people so for me lockdown was you know extremely annoying i can imagine i can imagine (laughs) also like last few days i'm reading about creative chaos theory so you actually learn by creating the chaos and specifically Mm. in creative ideation you do not Mm. you throw yourself into that unplanned uncensored space and see what comes out of it i believe that's what is your uh, space i mean and also actually you know creating room for boredom i think you have to do both and I think I'm good at that chaos piece, but I'm not so good at the boredom piece, you know? Um, so I am, I am actually like trying to make sure that I do both. Okay. So we asked Natasha to send her handwriting sample. I have a handwriting sample in front of me, which is a paragraph written on uh, an unruled sheet of paper, a blank sheet of paper. It gives you complete freedom to write and choose every single letter and the spacing of it. And that gives away a huge deal of information when it comes to analyzing someone's personality. So the first thing that comes to my mind, Natasha, when I look at your writing is people might see this side very often, especially those who are uh, close to you, people who have known you for years, that no matter how logical your decision making may appear to be at heart, you are a person driven by your instinct, your heart, your, your like love for things and passion. If the most profitable business under the sun is not something that makes you feel excited about it, you won't do it. <laughs> that is so funny and so true. And also actually something that I didn't know about myself until recently. Okay. You know, so maybe I should have spoken to you sooner. I feel like, you know, it would have saved me a lot of time and trouble. But you know, you're exactly right. See, when you speak to me or you know me, I do come across as a very logical person, a very structured person, you know, and that is my background. I studied science. I was an investor. I mean, you know, growing up, I was always this, you know, straight A, very nerdy kid. I came Mm -hmm. from a family of doctors. So I just like felt like I had to follow this very linear path in life. So, you know, of course, I studied medicine because that's just, you know, what you did when you got 
<laughs> yeah, that's just what you did when you got good grades. And then even when I actually, you know, took the very bold decision of leaving medicine mm-hmm. uh, and transitioning to investing, mm-hmm. um, it, that was also still a very safe choice, right? Like it's a good career. It's a safe career. Right. It's a respected career. And, you know, I see, I definitely didn't enjoy medicine and science, you know, even though I did well <laughs> academically. Investing, I feel like, you know, it's, it's quite people driven. You do right. get exposed to a lot of new ideas and business models. And, um, you know, I think that was good for my personality type. Mm-hmm. But exactly like you said, you know, I don't think I felt the passion and I, I, I felt like something was off. And, you know, everyone in my life was telling me, hey, you're so good at crazy. It. <laughs> oh, you're so crazy to even want to change, right? You're like in a great job in London. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're in your comfort zone. Uh, why do you want to look for a change? Um, even in fact, when I applied to MBA programs, which was, you know, obviously another very safe thing, safe to, thing do. to do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, even the people at the MBA program, even my immigration officer almost denied me the visa. Um, because they said, why do you need an MBA? You know, you're already on a track. <laughs> Even though obviously like, you know, I mean, it's an admissions officer's decision, right? right? Not an immigration officer's <laughs> decision. Yeah, thankfully. Um, but you know, it was basically like, I kept getting this feedback that, hey, you know, you're on a good path, stick to it. Yeah. And it's not until I actually got to Stanford, um, you know, that I realized that actually what I was looking for was to do something that I was really passionate about, not something that was you know, the right thing to do or validated by people or that, you know, the successful smart or successful, right? It was like, Oh, what did, what do I want to do? And, you know, the second I asked myself, you know, what is it that I want to do? What do I like doing? What did I like doing as a child? Mm -hmm. The answer was just so blindingly obvious. Like, you know, just, I mean, since I was a kid, like when I was, you know, I wrote my first book when I was four years old. Really? Oh. <laughs> Just like, I mean, it was hilarious. It was like a biography. Like, I don't know what I had to write, you know, about my life at four. Um, and then like my first startup was a library, you know, which is obviously oh, a terrible God. nine years. Oh. <laughs> Just again, like a terrible business model. And then my school actually had to shut it down because, you know, I wasn't allowed to make money off other students. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, I just looked back and it was like, okay, obviously I have this love for storytelling, right? Like right. all through the time I was doing medicine, investing, I was always writing on the side. I've always been reading and I was like, okay, you know, why <laughs> can't I try and do something in the storytelling space? But it literally took me like 30 years, you know, <laughs> to even consider following my passion. Chalo de rai yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah. the whole idea when you when you step into things which are uh, not approved by other people, mm. you know, things that people disagree or resist, mm. with all honesty, you love it. Mm. If there is not enough resistance and if everybody around you is clapping for you, you kind mm. of pause and wonder, am I not trying mm. things in the manner that I should? Have you caught yourself doing that? Hmm, this like rebellious streak, right? Not really. Uh, uh, yeah. It's because, okay, I'm going to be very blunt hmm. and not hmm. because, uh, hmm. like, I, I don't want to praise you, but I'm hmm. saying it with all assessment here, hmm. that if things are approved by other people, if everyone hmm. else is doing it, if hmm. people are showing great results with it, you are you have mastered how to apply yourself at your best. 
Hmm. Even in these fields that you spoke about, you did not enjoy, you didn't kind of see a point, but hmm. you cracked the code and you applied hmm. yourself or your intelligence, your hmm. talent there. But hmm. you are a master of application when you're hmm. thrown into a situation. Hmm. This is where you grow. Hmm. This is where you thrive. Hmm. If hmm. a profession, a relationship, a conversation doesn't allow you to do that, hmm. then you're turned off. Hmm. Now, there hmm. are people who can live with their turned off signals for hmm. months, for years together. Hmm. You can't stand it more than I think, hmm. 20 days. 20 <laughs> days is max. That's like your boiling point. Hmm. Yeah. Something hmm. is going wrong in my life. Hmm. So you kind of create self-inflicted challenges, hmm. problems that the way hmm. people would look hmm. at it. But hmm. you want to do it because you know, hmm. all honesty, that it is not keeping you at your best. Hmm. And the best hmm. game for you is to be able to solve problems, resolve things, find the hmm. solution that other people cannot see. Hmm. So to be able to hmm. decode things in a in a in a manner in in a style that is yours is what I think you are pursuing from hmm. your first <laughs> book. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's actually really interesting. I don't think I've thought of it in that way, but I think you are probably right that, you know, I sort of thrive in challenge, you know? So when things are going badly or I'm in a new situation, then I'm really good, you know? <laughs> um, but when things are going well, or, you know, I'm getting what I want, or like, yeah. I, I think you're saying like, I'm getting the praise, I'm getting the validation. Yeah. I think I'm almost uncomfortable yep so it's almost like i'm i'm thinking oh okay what's next yeah. and I, i've seen this again and again and exactly like you said you know it's definitely in my professional life it's you know when i was when i'm doing well in school i'm like oh that's not enough you know how what am i going to do in terms of a job when i'm doing well in a job i'm like oh that's not well enough like when am i going to start my company yeah you know when i start my own company i'm not oh that's not you know good enough now when am i going to start the second one it's sort yeah. of like i'm never happy um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. It's not that you're not happy. Hmm. You're not satisfied with the hmm. standard. So you're, you're happy. If you're not happy, you won't do it. Hmm. Like when you walk into a situation, you are buzzing with enthusiasm. Hmm. Like hmm. I would say many years ago, and I, to be precise, like 12 years ago, you used hmm. to be more uh, system driven, more focused hmm. kind of a person. But hmm. lately, like especially last, um, I would say, Four five years, you have mm. been a lot on your toes, figuring out mm. things and being thoroughly happy. Mm. Oh, nice. like, I don't know the timeline exactly what you did yeah. when, but you mm. are like genuinely pursuing that mm. next moment of joy. Mm. Mm. And mm. when you don't find mm. it for three five consecutive mm. days, and I mean, mm. you start mm. wondering, what do I need to change? Mm. Is going wrong? Do mm. I need people? Mm. Do I need to change conversation? Mm. That incessant need to improve mm. and upgrade yourself mm-hmm. is very rare mm. and people around you cannot cope up with that mm. Mm. that's also i think really insightful you know I, I think i want to just pause and like dig into a few things you said right mm-hmm. one is you know i mean it sounds good when you say it but actually it's quite difficult to live that I way know. I know. um because i think one you know, when you're always looking for change or challenge, it's actually quite hard to enjoy the present. So you're right. I'm having a lot of fun. fun yeah. I'm doing what I want to do, but I'm also not relaxed. You know, yeah. I'm not like chill. I'm not just like going with the flow. So I'm not making the most of the present. It's like I work so hard to get here, right? Like yeah. I work so hard to write, to start my company, to write my book, to make a show. But then the second it's done, it's over. 
Like mm-hmm. I'm not enjoying it. I'm not celebrating it. It's very much what's next, yeah. which is both good and bad, right? Like you're saying, it serves me. <laughs> it does serve me. So, but but you know, I I think I do need to learn to pause sometimes. You know, and um, and the second thing is exactly like you said, right? Other people, you know, if everyone doesn't have that constant uh, movement, yep. then actually, you know, oh, I mean. What do you mean? Oh yeah, momentum, momentum. Yeah. If some people don't have that momentum, then honestly, I mean, you know, I've realized, I mean, especially now, you know, when I'm building a company, I'm building a team, you can't do anything alone, right? It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, you know, smart you are, how energetic you are, how good you are with people. You know, you have to take people along with you. You have to, I've actually started to try to make this shift from independence to interdependence. Hmm. You know, because I basically, and in a way, you know, my two poetry books are about this, right? Like Boundless, the first one is about finding my voice. And, you know, like you're saying, finding what I'm passionate about and standing on my feet. And my second poetry book, Reinvention, is about trying to survive or, you know, make the most of being in a community while keeping that voice, right? And I feel like that interdependence is something that almost like I feel like our generation is losing because we're like, oh, it has to be my way or the highway. Of course. But it's a very short-sighted way to think, right? Um, so, and so-called our heroes are are showcased in that manner. They're yeah. like these extra talented, courageous yeah. people and other people just kind of become like the, the side actors into the whole story. But yeah. what you're saying is building a team where every single person is like an Avenger yeah. team. Yeah, person is a superhero. They come together, exactly. and everybody exactly. plays their exactly. best. best part. I mean, it's it's funny that you said that because you know my so uh, this is my company notebook. You said <laughs> Avengers. This is literally yeah. like the cover is you know I want everyone to be a superhero. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like I mean, and I guess that's the other thing. You know, I yeah. I do have high standards for myself, uh, but I also have high standards for other people. Yep, I hear you. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so the so graphological think- explanation for this, uh-huh. I'm going to take a moment to explain uh-huh. this. But if you do that, um, when you write your lowercase letter T, the horizontal line is placed at the top of it. Like literally, it may like lose the contact if you go even further by one millimeter. When anybody writes like that, uh, it talks about extremely high self-esteem. Mm. which is a good and a bad thing. And I'll tell you why. Because Mm. when you are running on that full power, like, you know, at the brim of it, most of the things are impractical in in other people's minds are very simple and practical for you. But they are very long term. So they would take like 5, 10, 12, 20 years. And you're okay with it. You're working towards it. Like Mm. today, if you have published a book, you've been writing Mm. for these books Mm. for many years. Now it happened that, you know, it took whatever time it took, but you have been building that Mm. observation skill to be able to be a published author, you know, all all those things you've been building in Mm. your mind till you reached this point where you Mm. actually got everything done. Mm. But that's what you're doing for multiple things, Mm. which you aren't aware of, which you do not translate for people because you aren't aware of, you can't make it easier. But when people question you and when they want to be practical, when they want to be end result oriented in the moment, uh, this is where the conflict begins. Mm-hmm. So there might be a part of this leadership style where you want all the people to become superhero and come together. Mm-hmm. A part of it is also about wondering whether they are doing what they should do. Mm-hmm. And you know that becomes the sense of assessment. 
which is too high for people who are even ready for it hmm i think yeah i think that's you know again i need to think about that i think you are definitely right right because in a way i want to be a great coach i want to be a mentor i want to get people excited i want them to bring their best selves i mean i definitely want people to feel more comfortable around me i do that's i do that's people, not happening yeah. it's not yeah. <laughs> no, that's not happening <laughs> people feeling comfortable for them yeah. comfort means a very very high standard of mediocrity you would absolutely mm. walk away if you if you feel that somebody not necessarily wasting time but if you think mm. they're wasting resources talent mm. opportunity mm. you don't understand it but that's what i'm saying i mean yeah i think you're right because you know when you say all that i've achieved to me i've achieved nothing exactly. right like yeah. i'm extremely impatient i'm like you know like i don't feel like i i mean i genuinely feel like even if you ask me now about like boundless or what i'm doing mm-hmm. like i in fact have this feeling of you know why are we not doing a lot more you know like my <laughs> my company's been around you know for a couple of years and i'm like hey why haven't we had like a huge hit you know why aren't like people you know like why aren't we a household name you know uh-huh. i mean that's that's the you know But that's exactly what that yeah. extremely high self esteem does yeah okay so will you yeah. be able to pause if you ever think of pausing is not going to happen because hmm. the very moment you think of pausing your mind hmm. comes up with multiple ideas hmm. so you can find engaging activities which are hmm. calming you're physically slowing down but your hmm. mind is moving at the same pace Hmm. So if we have to create that relaxation mode for hmm. you, but you have to occupy your mind with things which are not hmm. very stimulating, hmm. because that is your. So, for example, your stimulation levels are twenty-five. Hmm. You got to bring them to hmm. five. Hmm. You can do that. Most overthinkers is also for hmm. our listeners. If you are a, if you are an overthinker who cannot stop, no matter what, even if you know in the night you want to go to sleep, all of that. If you can't do it, don't try to stop. Like that's why meditation won't hmm. be your thing, no hmm. matter how much you try. Like but my mind hmm. and all of hmm. that. But if you slow down to say five or seven, hmm. then it is still hmm. fine. Hmm. You know what's interesting? I also think I'm a very extreme person. I feel like for me, it should be like all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you know, doing like like the thing that actually really helps me, by the way, is yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do yoga every day. Again, And yoga is that that thing where you have to be slow, hmm. you have to be intense. Yeah. So when you talk about being an extremist, what you're saying hmm. is everything that you do is intense. Yeah. So you can't reduce the intensity. In the yeah, time. that's your thing. So if yeah. you do yoga intense versus yeah. uh, writing yeah. intense, a conversation yeah. intense is where you thrive. Yeah. But if you are told not to be intense as a person, then you have a problem. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's the beauty of it, and I have seen this in many high performers. They don't know how to do ninety nine. They are like hmm. either zero or hundred. Yeah, exactly. Like, is there anything in between? Like no, yeah. literally. And you just yeah. be zero, you hundred, zero hundred, zero hundred. Yeah. And if that's what you wish to do, hmm. you just have to create environments where you can hmm. do it, like yoga, at hmm. a slower pace. You're still hundred, hmm. but at a slower pace. Yeah. And I don't know. I think people have yoga as stretching or some ideas hmm. like that. Hmm. But I do Ashtanga yoga, and I know yeah. how tough it can be, and it really, yeah. really kills you to be in that yeah. one posture for a longer period yeah. of time. So yes, it hmm. is possible for hmm. you to be intense. and still mm. slower compared mm. to other mm. and i think you know where i am at is you know i'm okay with like 
adjusting, you know, myself, I really want to adjust myself now to other people. You know, that's the stage I'm at. Because I feel like I know that I'm, like, I can adapt. Mm-hmm. But I am thinking a lot more, you know, how can I make sure that I'm, when I'm building this team, because we're scaling, right? Like, we're growing the team at Boundless. I want to attract the best people. Like I'm saying, I want us to do a lot more. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I feel like we should be 10x where we are. I'm, I the thing that I can control is myself, right? So mm-hmm. I want to adjust myself in terms of not just how I'm attracting people, but retaining them. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I do a very good job attracting high quality people, right? But I also have to keep them without having them, you know, um, either feel like, hey, I'm pushing too hard or I'm following up too much or my pace is not matching or my expectations are unrealistic, right? So that's that's like exactly why I want to work on my leadership style. Okay. So when you uh, function, you have a particular letter F in your writing, which has the top loop, but no bottom loop. So in cursive F, it is only top loop and no bottom loop. So bottom loop is only a straight line that comes down. Now, what does it mean that when you start anything, you plan very well, you know, Mm -hmm. exactly what you want, you know, Mm -hmm. would do what Mm -hmm. in in situations, you also know Mm -hmm. what time things should be done by people. Mm -hmm. So the planning Mm -hmm. is great, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the same execution, Mm -hmm. completion part to it. Mm -hmm. Because you are a hands-on person, you walk into a situation and you figure it out. As long as you plan and you know all the ingredients are required, you won't follow the recipe to the T. Even if when you're cooking, you get everything in place and then you just get an idea and you figure it out. You figure it out with people, you figure it out in any situation. You know, uh, when, when you're producing something, you walk in and you have no clue. You've never done this before, but you figure it out. Now, planning to get only the ingredients, only the people, is your style Hmm. in order to run a team especially to retain them in a long run you have to constantly feed them with what kind of systems you got to do you Hmm. got to apply you got to commit to and you got to be consistent with it Hmm. that is the toughest part Hmm. like the hindsight of of all that you said of what's next and moving forward and all Hmm. of it is not being committed Hmm. to the systems that can run the show Hmm. and thereby most of the time you do not even create systems because they can be restrictive. Hmm. I must tell you, when I heard your podcast for the first time, I was attracted to the word boundless. And Hmm. the story goes, my given name by my father was Chandra Prabha back in the day. And at 26, I went through this whole journey where I'm like, no, no, I think I need to, you know, spiritual journey. And I was a lot into meditation and yoga and all of that. So at one point I reached where I started I stopped identifying with all the things and I said, okay, I think I don't, I don't think I identify with the name that was given to me and I decided to change the name. So the word Aditi means boundless. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, when I, yeah, so, so when I, when I looked at it, because yeah. Diti means limitations, Aditi means boundless. I'm like, yeah. that sounds interesting because, you know, every time you want to yeah. grow, you want to question your own limitations. Yeah. So all yeah. boundaries that can yeah. define yeah. you. Yeah. You want to go beyond it. Hmm. But you know, that's where the name Boundless came really naturally to me. And, you know, I feel like the name Boundless actually has resonated with a lot of people in terms of the book, the podcast uh, company. Uh, but honestly, like to me, it didn't feel like a very cool concept because I feel like from a very young age, I've sort of, I mean, I think I've taken this for granted that 
we are not just me we all of us yeah. are boundless right? right like all the limitations we have are in our mind and i think if we all just have a growth mindset you know we believe that hey it's okay whatever situation i'm put in i'm going to figure it out i'm going to learn we can do it like i don't think that's anything special i i genuinely think that's just a mindset Obviously. or the way you look at your life right mm-hmm. so i've always had um that approach right which is why like you know to me like you know moving countries going from india to uk the us coming back or changing professions like honestly i've never felt like it's a big thing mm-hmm. so you know when people like write books or they do seminars or they do workshops around career <laughs> change and moving geographies and stuff i'm like you know what is Let's this like, <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what is this you know i mean oh. there's like so much talk just do it yeah um so so i i do feel like yeah i have this very like throw yourself in right and then figure out exactly like you're saying um but yeah i still have this like i'm going back to that point right like how but do that i get... that that exactly is against the the role that you need to play as a leader yeah that's exactly it yeah that's exactly where the problem is because being yeah. boundless is about you questioning the boundaries but for people and more i study behaviors and understand people different people require different things hmm and as a leader if you can't provide that to that particular mm. person some people require more security mm. some people require more mm. uh you know a systematic way of approaching mm. in a long run people need to see mm. the interactions actually mm. the the instant gratification mm. because you don't seek instant gratification mm. you don't see a point in giving it to other mm. people mm. you just want to like yeah okay we'll do it and you know because mm. you uh, achieve the huge mm. whatever task that you have and then you go like yeah what's next mm-hmm. you expect people also to move at that pace mm. that that new observation style mm. you know, probably the now new tall target that you mm. have is mm. way more intangible is mm. to be able to be the person who can mold to become the leader that your team requires mm. you to be and not only mm. this team but you know every mm. single person how uh, as a conversationalist you have mastered it you speak in a manner and this is a very instinctive compared in, in depending on who you are speaking with mm. so you have mastered that by seeing mm. you know all of us have learned how to mm. play this mm. role mm. similarly playing a role of a leader is to be mm. able to be uh, what we say samadama dandabhira niti all all required forces mm. Mm. for your mm. for your employees or mm. your team members mm. to thrive mm. right now you're still thinking from how would you thrive mm. and that's like you know completely like looking at the life from your perspective this mm. from someone else's perspective yeah yeah i think i think that that is you know i think i just need to also i think also i'm very like i try a lot of things in terms of you know our team culture team bonding making a good, you know creating a good environment for people because i really do care about that um but i think that yeah sometimes i should just ask people right like yeah. i should literally just sit down with each person and be like you know what would you want you know like i mean how would i phrase that question like how would i understand because so i was the direct question un- the yeah, direct I, question might not work yeah exactly i was just going to tell you that see i'm a very direct person i have a lot of direct conversations but i've also found that as a boss it doesn't you know, work no yeah people one they tell you what they think you want to hear yeah they say yes yes to everything and honestly it's very hard to figure out you know what's actually happening in their minds or their lives because incentives are so different in a 
employer-employee relationship, right? It's nothing like a family or friends relationship. Sure. So that's what I want to feel like, how can I, that's what I'm saying. How can I make people one, just feel a little more comfortable or relaxed to make mistakes and give them space. Mm-hmm. And then how do I, you know, adjust a little more to what the other person wants? Because I feel like, yeah, even this direct style is, I guess, again, putting them back on the back foot, you know? Agreed. So there yeah. are two parts to this answer that I would give. First is for anybody who is facing this situation. One, when you listen to people, it is not asking them direct questions always, but it's about listening by taking interest in who they are and how they look at life and what exactly is happening. So when you start observing and understanding their requirements, people give away information every now and then. When I meet people who say, oh my God, I didn't expect my my marriage to break or my relationship to break. I pause and ask them, are you sure you didn't see this coming? They pause and then they're like, no, no, actually I saw it coming because there were so many signals on the way that I didn't know how to look at. So similarly, people do give signals. And I think that is like the very moment you start looking for those signals, you will know. Uh, For you, from your field, if I have to give an example, when you build a character in your story, you know how you keep weaving that character's journey to convince your audience that this is the character. So character A might be nasty, but character B is very kind and he or she won't ever do that. Hmm. How do you build that? It's by weaving the the cue clues right like throughout the process and then Mm. you reach that point where finally everything just comes together Mm. similarly in your everyday life and Mm. i'm saying this because i love observing people and i've been Mm. seeing those Mm. gaps all my life Mm. so Mm. i feel people actually give away those signals which most people cannot see Mm. people showcase their fears they showcase their discomfort only when you're interested And for that, sometimes you have to leave your preoccupations and pay attention to their requirements and look at that person as a lead in their story and look at that person's life from their perspective. Hmm. Even as an exercise, you do it. If you do that in your smaller team, larger team, you'll actually gather so much more information that otherwise you think you didn't have. Hmm. Because we do not look, we do not have that information. Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe I'm so like, you know, trying to with your next things. thing. Yeah, next thing. You do not, and pr- the very moment you'll make working on your team as your next thing, you will ace it. Mm. It's mm. just that you haven't. It is a matter of priority and interest. Mm. The very moment you will say, okay, this is what I want to work on, you'll just crack the code. Mm. Second point, specifically to you, you will learn by osmosis. Mm. Th- that's a technique where you look at people and look at anything that you've learned so quickly. You look at the people who are best in that field. You observe them closely. If you are hanging with them, if you're talking with them, then you just start picking up. That is a level of adaptability you function from. Hmm. So learning from osmosis, which means if leadership is your next challenge, find people whose leadership you enjoy. Find people who uh, have teams that you would like to have. Hmm. And go and talk to them. Hmm. The very moment you speak with such people, you, you know, because you operate from emotions and instincts more than anyone else, I would say, you would learn things that hmm. otherwise people cannot. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a nice, it's a nice idea. Just, you know, go actually sit in other people's offices. See and they, there you can ask direct questions. 
yeah that you can ask people because when you're talking to leaders like that and that's what i have learned hmm. most of the time when i'm coaching and i happen to talk to a lot of leaders i always ask them these direct questions and hmm. they have a formula a method in that madness hmm. which they have thought through for many years hmm. it may look like this effortless move that they hmm. did but they're like no no this person requires this this is his hmm. life this is what he's struggling with if i give him that as a leader if i provide hmm. a possibility for him he would want to continue Hmm. So all these observations they have made throughout, and now they're applying it when the need comes. Hmm. They have built that skill, which I feel hmm. you just haven't thought hmm. about as of now. The very moment hmm. you start making hmm. that as your priority, I think, hmm. and I think now is the time. You're already realizing. Hmm. Yeah. To be able to stop yourself. Yeah. No. No. You're right. So yeah, I I think yeah, just this observation and osmosis. I just need to. I think I need to like speak and do less. <laughs> not happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i always say that if you try to go against your natural self mm-hmm. it's not going to work so it might have worked for other people but that's not mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. but this is your strength conversation mm-hmm. making people mm-hmm. comfortable and then listening to them mm-hmm. so you you cannot listen to people if they they tell you things that is difficult mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. but the very moment you walk into a conversation with a specific question in your mind Hmm. and you know i would challenge you to do that just hmm. walk in a conversation and do not ask people the direct questions that you would hmm. otherwise ask how hmm. will you still find the information hmm. because being direct is your style of being as a person hmm. and you know there are amazing leaders who are very direct hmm. and they have figured it out so you don't have to hmm. change it but i'm just hmm. challenging you as an experiment hmm. see hmm. how would you then gather that information hmm. for that you have to stretch your listening skills you have to really observe really take interest but if you keep questioning yourself hmm. in that and if hmm. you do not allow that typical handicap that you have of like talking directly to figure this hmm. out you would really you know like learn from hmm. people a lot and i'm saying handicap only in hmm. the team situation hmm. otherwise hmm. you try you the thing is see i'm not very patient or supportive with myself Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's exactly the thing. Like, when when it's not like when I'm hurt or whatever, you know, I'm like so nice to myself. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I guess that's the same thing, right? It's like I exactly like you're saying. It just I cannot treat other people the way I treat myself. And I have what I learned about leadership, which stayed with me very early. is like a good leader is not who knows what he wants hmm. good leader is the one who knows what other wants other people want hmm. and he or she is willing to be that hmm. so sometimes hmm. you know how uh, you got to be a strict hmm. boss or or a leader sometimes you got to be a lenient one hmm. and you got to change that for the same person depending on mm. the situation and that's mm. what makes it so complicated really like, but why mm. can't i decide systems mm. because businesses run on systems mm. so you create systems for everything mm. but when it comes to dealing mm. with people you got to be like anything but systems and you got to see what is mm. the best possible approach in this moment mm. if you don't have a bank mm. available with you then you can't do it mm. you know like my favorite quote uh, says that if you the only tool that you have is a hammer then every hmm. problem is a nail hmm yeah, Similarly, yeah most of the exactly. time as leaders we do not create a toolbox hmm. hmm and that toolbox is what you got to observe other people hmm. doing you got to see at what proportions is literally hmm. like learning from other people's recipes you create your own hmm. recipe but when you observe like every hmm. time i have to cook i i see that one dish prepared by 15 people in hmm. different styles and find what is my common 
recipe that I would like to build. Right. So that can be possible right. only when you step in and observe people. And for that, you'll require to hear, observe, uh, challenge yourself more than anything else, which hmm. is also slightly a problem. I look at your letter D in your writing, which has a lot of gap between the two legs of the letter D that shows stubbornness as a quality, Mm. which means that every time you're convinced, Mm. uh, you won't budge. Mm. No matter what people try to do. And Mm. it's very instinctive. And you might Mm. be doing it to protect the idea, protect the structure or the system that you have built, or because you are so invested. Mm. But no matter that is, to be able to build a team of superheroes, you got to find how other people mm. can fit in. Mm. Like yeah. Iron Man had to mm. back off for other superheroes to take yeah. away, right? Like yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. exactly. No, no, no. I, I, I hear you and I think you're very right in terms of, you know, now I need to move the adaptability beyond me yes. to other people and just create that space, room, support. Um, but yeah, no, I find, I find that super helpful that that is something that I really actively want to work on. And And Natasha, one more thing I want to say Mm. here that once you start doing it, I think it is like writing poems Mm. because every person is a story. And Mm. the very moment you realize it's not only about how fast they can move Mm. or what they can do for the project. When you start seeing every person as the the next word, you know, like I, Mm. I, in the writing process, like I just finished writing my first book and in the process mm. I realized I never flirted with words as much as I did in mm. these six months. Mm. Every word mm. can literally bring a different angle and it's, it almost became like a person. Mm. It's too much to think mm. in that sense, but it is if you mm. really look at it. Similarly, mm. every person is a poem. Mm. Every person is literally bringing that different layer so when you open your heart to mm-hmm. learn from the poetry that you're reading, that the person is, then you won't think you got to fix the situation. Then you would absorb, then you would let it be, then you would grow with it and it would grow with you. Mm. Very beautiful. Very, um, uh, what's the word? Very uh, uh, poetically said. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see you doing that thing, you know, where you're saying it in the language I would understand, which is very nice. Um, I think, you know, I, I think also what you touched on is exactly this, right? Like, because I'm so results oriented, I'm like very much seeing it as like, okay, now what can we achieve and what have we achieved? And then what are we doing next? But I just need to like, enjoy the people. And you know, the funny thing is I actually really love the people I work with. I'm sure. Right. And it's like, I'm actually a very people person. Of course. So that's also what I find so funny that like outside work, you know, with my friends, with my family, I'm like, so people oriented and like it's so easy to build relationships and that's why I feel like almost like at work I'm like oh I have to be a boss yeah I think that's a myth probably yeah because if yeah. you just choose to you know what you what you spoke about like if you choose to be your voice and you're willing to adapt as per other people's requirement which you do and I don't even yeah. think that should be a problem sometimes yeah. the problem becomes where we think to be a boss I need to be something yeah so it's not probably the expectations from other yeah. people it might be yeah. an expectation from yourself. Yeah. How do I balance that tension, you know, between being like, hey, this is not just some party, it is work. <laughs> so we got to do a certain, you know, we have to actually do the work. And obviously, we need to have fun, we need to chill, we need to build those bonds. So being an extremist, I think naturally you do either chilling or like being yeah. hyper productive. 
and yeah. sometimes when you think like this in your own realm in your life personal life it feels the same way uh, and i know what you're talking about mm. because i started working very early so that by became a professional when my friends were still chilling and i didn't know how to chill with them because i was like mm. always figuring things out and if you pause and ask yourself then how much is okay because even mm. if you reach 10x the mm. path that you want to take will be whatever exciting all of that all of that you know you for you mm. but also if you want to take five people along if you are walking with mm. a child and if you want to reach wherever you're going you either carry the child with mm. you or if you want the child to walk you will have to walk at the child's speed mm. Hmm. So if you get impatient and we do see mothers and parents getting impatient like chalo chalo why wasting so much of time the child is not they're walking at their own pace so if you make it about them and creating an environment where they can thrive you won't impose your you won't i'm not even saying you have to try you just won't because you would look at them you'll understand them you'll see what their pace is required and you'll move at that pace hmm. but you will have to put it to use because when you want to move forward you think speed is mm. the way to create that achievement mm. sometimes it's not about the speed it's about the impact mm. so you know one project that you do can probably make you the household name that you want to become mm. but it is not about dying through that process mm. it's not about not enjoying that process no. that would not lead to productivity especially in creative field mm. any creative field for that matter right. so you literally have to figure out how do you tweak that for you hmm. and thereby for other people hmm because productivity is not about speed it's about intensity or flow or hmm. actually bringing the best hmm. or whatever that takes hmm yeah Yeah in fact I feel like I have this 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 approach I feel like I've applied to my whole life it's not even just my team right like I have this fear of taking a break so you know I'll give you an example like just from my personal life when um I was um actually I have many examples of this so when when I was um like I've literally never taken a break okay. so when I was um you know in college 18 to 21 I like made sure that every summer you know I had at least one internship okay. or something you know lined up then the second college ended I obviously made sure that you know I had my masters to go to the second that masters ended I made sure I had my next Master. you know uh, masters to go to the second that masters ended I made sure I had my job lined up the second that job ended I made sure I had another job that gave me a visa lined up this you know the second I wanted to leave the job I made sure I had my MBA lined up before i moved back to india i made sure i had a job so the second i came back to india i was in the job mm-hmm. and you know i already had planned to start my company before i left the job so i've never really left any room for like slack mm-hmm. so even if it feels like i've made a lot of changes or transitions it's always been like hey i always had the next step planned mm-hmm. and in place before taking the jump and also like you know even in terms of like my personal life right like my husband was in london i mean i was in london my husband was in bombay mm-hmm. and then we were going to get married in india and you know everyone told me hey just you know take a few months off work come mm-hmm. to india how are you going to plan your wedding how are you going to do all the outfits yeah. and everything and i was like no and i, I literally i didn't take i it, I, i basically only took 10 days off work out of which 6 days were my wedding 
you know so i literally like got on the plane like got into the wedding and then the day the reception was done got on a plane and got back because i was so scared to take that break or you know just leave any room for randomness and i feel like you know what you're saying is important that just because you're moving forward or just doing something every day it doesn't actually mean you're being productive yes like sometimes you can be in a flow it's okay for a few days if you do nothing i feel like i would panic you know if if i was doing nothing so you, for you use the word fear over and over again what do you mean by fear hmm. what would happen hmm. or oh, in this story no in generally um, what would happen if you take a break or that randomness strikes yeah. yeah i feel like i would just i think it's this thing right i feel like i would slow down i would lose momentum and what would happen if you lose momentum i guess i would fall behind though i don't know what race i'm running yeah yeah you know it's like this momentum and it's like oh i yeah i fall behind though i mean i really don't know who i'm running with or like yeah. you know what i'm competing for and and if yeah. if yeah so interesting if if you actually <laughs> fall behind yeah. then what would happen yeah um i guess i'd lose but again i don't know what i would lose and and if you do what yeah um I guess yeah I don't know I mean I I mean I definitely don't like to lose though you know no, I am like yeah like, I agree yeah, nobody yeah, does yeah. naturally like I'm I'm very used to like a certain level of also being an overachiever outcome yeah. yeah I'm used to a very certain level of like achievement outcome pace and I feel like I have actually moved really quickly all through right so I feel like I'm sort of I don't know I guess like I'm used to moving quicker right so yeah I don't know what would I don't know what would happen but I feel like I just don't want to I don't want to know I don't want to know what would happen you know <laughs> So in, in in the worst yeah. case scenario even if yeah. it happens yeah do you know or do you believe that you'll be able to build it back the momentum no, I just like getting yourself back yeah. to doing the work in the manner that you would yeah. like to Yeah I feel like if I you know had to take a break and get back I feel like I would but that's what I'm saying I don't know I feel like then I'd be behind and I'd have to work harder or maybe behind like the people around me you know wouldn't be there and then like for example now okay if I just randomly took a break I told my team hey I'm you know traveling the world for a year obviously that team is not going to hang out right right they're going to go back do whatever else they're going to move on with their life so when you so when you started it for the first time you built yeah. the team from the scratch yeah which means you will also yeah. have to do it from the scratch one more yeah. time Yeah which i feel like that's exa- i mean i guess i see that as like a big waste of time or energy right like it's like i feel like now i have everything in place so thereby like i better are, make the most of it but you thereby know? you'll also be dependent on these people not leaving hmm. or the the operations hmm. not shutting hmm. and if that is driving you hmm. it will drive you crazy hmm. because hmm. these things are out of your control hmm. Hmm. so as a leader mm-hmm. you don't wish to, so one is like i would like mm-hmm. to create a certain kind of environment mm-hmm. and which is a creative process mm-hmm. but when we are driven by fears like these it's mm-hmm. more over like if i don't do it mm-hmm. then i don't have a choice mm-hmm. so any time it is panic to mm-hmm. that extent it is coming from a choiceless world mm-hmm. that's a tough space to be mm-hmm. no matter which way you look at it it is a tough space mm-hmm. to be because you then do not know how to Hmm. look at things and how to break them hmm. down because you're not fully functioning from the creative 
angle mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. You're rather so. There is my favorite story. I, I'd always talk about it. Imagine a person running, and there are three possibilities. Mm-hmm. You and I are sitting for a cup of coffee, and we see this mm-hmm. person running randomly. One, there is a dog behind. Mm-hmm. Second, there is a kite in the sky. And third, he's preparing for a marathon. Not mm. running for one, but preparing for a marathon. So if there is a dog behind, like the fear or something that what if these people go and how, how I'm going to manage, then you're constantly looking behind and trying to run away from the dog. And you are then mm. enslaved by the dog. Mm. You don't have a choice. You're, you're mm. running wherever the dog would, in a way, allow you to. And mm. you know, just making sure mm. that you dodge him. Mm. Now people think it's a better thing if I'm looking at a target and running mm. for that, then it's okay, better, better than the dog because you're not panicking. But at the same time, wherever the kite would go, you would mm. be there. Mm. When catch, do your best to get that kite, mm. but still you're following some random thing that mm. might or may or may not make you happy. Mm. So many moments where you have achieved the biggest thing that you thought mm. would make you very happy, mm. you know that you stood there and you wondered whether it really makes you happy and quickly mm. move to the next thing. Mm. So that is where the kite-driven approach goes. Uh, the marathon uh, on, the, on the other side is where you're running, uh, you choose your path, you choose your shoes, you choose your music, you're actually enjoying the progress or the growth in the, the whole journey. So it's more process-driven. In your case, Natasha, you run away from the dogs towards the kite mm. simultaneously and mm. you chance upon marathon moments. Mm. 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 Yeah. No, that's a beautiful um, visual, I think. You know, that, I mean, of course, and see, obviously I'm building for the long term. You know, obviously I am running the marathon. <laughs> Yes, you are. So, so it seems silly, you know, to let a dog or a kite get in. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Kobe Bryant said this. Kobe said that if you your next workout is as good as your resting time. Hmm. If your muscles are not rested enough, then hmm. you can't be doing that workout and you hmm. are not building your muscles. Hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing. Hmm. You don't allow yourself to stop. And then you like in the process, hmm. you kind of figure things hmm. out. Hmm. Uh, hmm. You're still achieving you know, mm. or, or you have been achieving so much, mm. which was driven by individualistic achievement. Mm. Mm-hmm. The very moment you have to get other people, mm. your control is much less. Mm. Mm. And thereby you're literally playing in more randomness, mm. and thereby the the mm. chaos theory that mm. we can the mm. with. The very mm. moment you say, okay, this is probably I need mm. to master. Mm. is absolutely beyond your mm. comfort zone. Mm. This is how we grow by yeah. by imbibing things which are not in our comfort zone. Yeah, no, I yeah I, I love that right because like that's exactly like individual achievement I've got. Now it's like okay group achievement, right? You and, know, and if you, the very moment yeah. you accept that you don't know how to do it, yeah, instead of trying your own ways because what you're doing is what yeah. has worked for you, you're yeah. amplifying and applying it to other people, and that's not working. Yeah, and it won't work because for that one yeah. individual, what was amazing. It's yeah. not applicable to other individuals. Yeah. 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 I think that. And then just also, I think like you're saying, just, you know, making the room to have fun. Like, it's okay. <laughs> you can't yeah. make that room. Yeah. That room is like, is okay. Yeah. Accidental. And when yeah. you start enjoying yourself mm-hmm. and if people start enjoying themselves, mm-hmm. then the fun is, mm-hmm. is obvious. It, mm-hmm. it has to happen. It yeah. ought to happen. You can't stop yeah. it. But if yeah. you try to have fun, that's hmm. the last thing you would do. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Cool. 
Cool, great conversation. <laughs> but having said that, I was extremely hmm. curious about this whole transition hmm. bit. Hmm. You know, like, of course, you want to now as a leader probably master the other side of the game and hmm. this is your personal journey. Having said that, most people are scared of transition. Hmm. How do you, hmm. what do you do? Hmm. Like, what do you do that makes it so smooth, hmm. so hmm. seamless and at the same hmm. time, what keeps you going? Hmm. You know, I feel like that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, one, I don't think that like, you know, any transition I've had is smooth. I feel like, <laughs> you know, like I, I've, I don't think I've ever had a smooth transition, to be honest. I think that like, I actually just, one is, you know, like you said, my personality, right? Like I like change and challenge. So, I mean, I think the first thing is just to tell yourself that, right? Because it's like, I mean, our whole life, which is stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. So I think if you just tell yourself, hey, I like change and challenge versus, oh, you know, I like most people I feel say I like being in my comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. With or without people. their knowledge, what you're yeah. saying, with or without yeah. their knowledge. They're like, exactly. I can't change that. I can't yeah. lose this comfortable exactly. space that I've created. Yeah, too. and people like their routine and stuff. So the second, I, I think the first thing is just to say, hey, I like change. You know, you say you like change, you like challenge, then you, you've automatically, you know, taken that first step, mm-hmm. um, which, which I think is just what I naturally told myself, you know, when I was a kid, because actually I think as a kid, when I was, ro- my, when I was in my teens, I actually felt very frozen. Okay. I felt like, um, you know, I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't being enough. I wasn't like living up to my full potential. And then I just told myself, hey, I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to freeze again. Okay. Um, and so after then, writing your third book as a child, like yeah. things like this as a teenager. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess I just put a lot of pressure on myself. Right. So like at 13, 14, 15, I was My saying, God. oh, I'm frozen. I'm not doing enough. So yeah, I basically told myself that I won't feel like that again. So I said, I like change and challenge and um, just leaned into it. The second thing is exactly, I guess what I just said that, you know, you can't expect it to be smooth. Like You have to be like, Hey, it's, there's going to be a ton of ups and downs and I'm just going to ride the wave, right? Like I feel like actually what I do is I have really low expectations of everything, to be honest. Usually that keeps me happy. Like, you know, in, when I went... In the period of transition. Let's yeah, in the, in the period of transition, not for myself. <laughs> like when, you know, so when I went to uh, university, um, when I started my first job, when I went to the MBA, when I came back to India... I mean, like the entire time I was just like, oh, everything each time I was going to, it's like going to be terrible. I never thought, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best of my my, my life. I was like, yeah, this is going to be hard, you know? So then if your expectations are low, then I feel like everything seems a little easier. Oh, that's interesting. So it's actually starting other way around. People generally say, I'm going to imagine it to be perfect and I'm going to imagine it to be, you know, nice and kind. You're saying, no, no, just accept that it will be difficult. Yeah, it will be difficult. And then you will build up from that, right? Um, and I feel like the other thing, which is actually now, you know, exactly what you said about me feeling uncomfortable because this is what is not happening now is that I've always told myself, like the only thing I can control is myself. Right. Mm. So now whatever, if the geography doesn't work out, if the job doesn't work out, if you know, whatever project I'm taking doesn't work out, it's okay. Like I can control myself, Mm. but this is exactly why now you know, I'm operating in a different environment, right? Because right. it's not about myself. Right. It really is about <laughs> all the people uh, around me who obviously like I can't control, can't predict. And I, I mean, I don't even, I don't want to control. <laughs> you yeah, which know? is, which is yeah. what you're saying is, is interesting. And, and now I can also connect the dots here. Yeah. So when other people go out of control, you get into like, what can I control? 
yeah which becomes like individualistic style of functioning yeah. and the very moment you're like no 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 i'm the boss so it's like how many many parents have to remind themselves that no no i am the parent i can't be doing this yeah. so and then they walk into the same situation and use some other approach because they have to remind themselves that now they are the parents and yeah. though they get triggered and they get upset and they get hungry or hangry they can't be functioning in their own style because now they are the parents okay yeah so it's like yeah i guess that's the those are my <laughs> that's like you know what's what's worked wow, that's amazing yeah i think huh. i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation <laughs> natasha i i look forward to to hearing your other implementations and if you have a penny drop moment or if you learn something interesting about uh, your leadership style please let me know mm. i would want to hear Definitely. how you implemented Definitely. it No, we'll stay in touch, Aditi. I found I found this conversation really, really helpful, and like I will definitely I I'll do a check in with you and tell you how it's going. Please, please do. Uh, but yeah, it. thanks, thanks so much for all the insights. I'm gonna I go away it. and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> If you are figuring out what kind of leader are you, uh, is it the style that you should imbibe? Then you can do two things, as we spoke about. One, lean into your natural style and see how can you make the most of it. And the second, my favorite one actually, is to see people who have already solved the problem in their life. Someone who is ahead of you in the learning curve in many, many ways, and merely by observing them, by picking their brains, by asking them questions, you would be surprised. how much do you learn consciously and also indirectly just being around them you know seeing you pick up lot many clues that one can imagine so next time do not stop do not get overwhelmed when you think things are getting tougher find someone who has already gone beyond it yeah makes sense yeah okay So that was today's episode. Please tell me how did you like it? Rate it if you are an Apple Podcast user. If you would like to give some feedback or ask certain specific questions that I can ask our guest, then please write to me. My email ID is w r i t e right at aditi surana dot com. If you want to know more about my coaching work or how we can actually work with your organization, you can check the website aditi surana dot com. I'll see you on Friday with one more phenomenal episode of the Absolutely Right podcast. Till then. Happy writing.